What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Jamie D Show. Woo! We're live on KSHP AM 1400 and 107.1 FM every Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until 11 a.m. PST. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm happy to have you all here on this live radio broadcast. I know you all are used to me starting off the show, going over the show rundown and getting straight into the news headlines of the day. But we have an extremely booked and busy individual, as he should be, Richard Fowler, who is going to be in today to talk about what it means to be a black gay man on Fox News. Guys, he's a progressive contributor at Fox News. So you want to pay attention into this segment because guess what? We're going to get into the nitty gritty. Like I said, we're going to fix the show today so that we can make sure you guys get all of this goodness from Richard. So let's welcome him into the show. Richard, what's up? Hold on one second, Richard. We aren't able to hear you. Are you able to hear us? One second. Do you have your mic on, Richard? Give us one second. Hey, this is what happens when you're on a live morning radio show. We have technical difficulties, but guess what? We're going to make that work. Okay, I think we can hear you, Richard. Are you able to hear me? What's up? How are you? Yes, what's up? Welcome to the Jamie D Show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Jamie My pleasure, yes. Good morning, Las Vegas. Good morning, Las Vegas, and everybody listening online around the world. So, yes, we have Richard. Am I saying it right? Fowler? Fowler, yep, you got it. Fowler. Oh, it's Fowler. You know what? Okay, I did so much research. Listen, I did so much research, and I was like, it can't be Fowler. It can't be. And I I knew it was. You know what? I'm I'm (laughs) going to get your PR team. But yes, welcome Richard Fowler, who is a progressive contributor at Fox News. He's joining me live to discuss what it means to be a black gay man on Fox News, why representation and advocating for change in the media is important, how he maintains his political relationships, and more. So good to see you. You're located in Washington, D.C., right? I am. I am. I'm actually in studio today. Which You're in is studio. Honest. We have some news happening, so I'm a little bit uh, in two places at once, but I'm happy I can hang out with you. And happy Pride Month. Happy everybody. Pride Month to everybody. Yes, you look and great, Caribbean Richard. And Caribbean Heritage Month yep. and Black Music Month. Yep, get into it. All the months that come with June. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much for making time for us. Fun fact, I actually used to live in Washington, D.C. I went to the University of Maryland College Park for my master's okay, in broadcast UMD. journalism. So yeah, was all up and through the DMV. So let's get into this interview. You're a progressive contributor at Fox News. Talk to us about what that looks like for you. Again, you just said it's Pride Month and you are an openly black gay man. Look, I think this and I said this all along and I'll continue to say this. When we talk about the politics and the policy and culture, which is sort of the intersection that I live at, when we talk about all those issues, we have to remember that there's a whole swath of the country. People choose to get their news from different places. So our voices have to be heard everywhere. Mm-hmm. And our voices, to be frank with you, have to be heard all the time. And so if we want policy to reflect our lived experiences uh, and it reflect the issues that we care about. It requires that we're on places where the legislators writing that policy are getting their news from. You make a great point. However, one thing we see a lot in the media is that African-American individuals gay individuals, anybody part of the LGBTQ or individuals who are part of a minority group still don't get their words valued. And a lot of times Mm. they try to discredit those who do get the chance to be in the media like yourself. How do you fight against that? Look, I think that's such a good point, right? And as I sort of sit here, I think it's worth pointing out. And I, I continue to also say that Oftentimes, when you look at the airwaves, whether you're watching local television, whether you're, whether you're watching cable news or whether, watching, whether you're watching the nightly news, the imagery that you see of black men 
right? Which is oftentimes connected to crime or connected to pain and connected to our trauma sort of trumps the joy and the creativity and the beauty and the love and all the things that we are on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So every time we have an opportunity to go on air, whether that be in, in entertainment spaces and news spaces and, in 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 documentary spaces and tell our story and talk about our lived experiences, it actually matters because slowly but surely what you're doing is you're changing the storyline and you're also changing the pit, the paint, the picture to be able to paint it about our lived experience for oftentimes it's been painted for us and regrettably not by us. And I think now more than ever, it's time for us to change that. You're spitting facts right now and I love to hear it. Tell us how you believe you are the right person to be the go-to individual to speak for these many different communities that you represent. Look, I, I look at it this way. I stand on shoulders. I stand on the shoulders of so many that came before me, right? I think about uh, Don Lemon. I think about Jonathan Capehart. I think about all those folks in broadcast. I think about my, my brother, Victor Blackwell, um, mm-hmm. who's the, the weekend anchor over at CNN. Uh, I think about Elsie Granderson. I think about all the folks who came before me, who sat at the desk, who sat in the, who sat in the isolation booth, who was on air before me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I stand on their shoulders. And we all stand on the shoulders of the person that came before us. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got a chance to meet uh, Medgar Ever- Evers' wife, who just turned 90 this year. And she talked about during the time of the March on Washington, you didn't see black people behind news desks. You didn't see black yeah. people providing commentary. And she said, it's a blessing. She says the 50th 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. It's a blessing that we live in an era where 50 50 years later, there is a Richard Fowler. And my hope (laughs) is that somebody can jump three or four or 10 or 15 or 30 or 40 folks can jump on my shoulders. And so 50 years from now, the, the news media reflects what the country looks like. I love that comment you made about how you're standing on the shoulders of past individuals who have paved the way for you and you're continuing to fight on so that you can open up more spaces for individuals who look like you, who may sound like you, who may feel like you internally. And that's amazing to hear. Talk to us about how you actually combat against those who look like you, for example, Candace Owens, who actually spew <laughs> hate in the industry and in the media and fight against the messages you put, you, 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 you say every day. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't spend my time worrying about folks who, uh, <laughs> you know, live in low places. Oh, is that Richard <laughs> Fowler with some shade? Oh, um, wow. Well, allow me to say this because uh, <laughs> I think it matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's so many folks out here who are doing the thing, uh, who are telling stories that amplify our lived experiences, that are telling stories that shed light on what's happening in our communities, and also telling stories that spark joy and creativity and shows that we're not one dimensional, one track figures. I think about the folks, you know, I think about Katori Hall and the writer's room at P Valley. Yep. I think about fun fact. Uh, I used to work on that know, show. Oh, absolutely. I think about <laughs> the folks who brought to brought you Janet mock and the team that brought you pose. I think about all those folks who have shown us in so many different lights and so many different portrayals. Think about Wanda Sykes and all the stuff coming out of her shop and Ava DuVernay mm-hmm. uh, and Issa Rae and all of those folks who are telling our stories and showing that we're not one dimensional characters. Uh, and regrettably, I think there's some some of us who choose to live in this one dimension where you have to be one thing or the other. Uh, but I choose to live in, in a world in which Black folks are 50, maybe 500 shades of black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all those, all those shades are beautiful. So, Richard, I see often 
and this is through my own research because I, I enjoy your content and you are really out here doing the darn thing. So congratulations on everything you've accomplished so Thank far. You. My pleasure. However, Richard, you be going in on folks on Fox News. When I tell you going in, sir, it looks like it could come close to bow, like bows because you are you're not ruthless. You are just very big on holding your ground, standing your ground and making sure your thought and your words get expressed. Talk to me how about how you're able to maintain relationships in the political space, because it seems like sometimes your arguments with other people and vice versa seem very personal. Oh, that's a good question. So, look, um, I'm a storyteller at heart. I was born a storyteller. I've done a lot of training that makes me a more a better storyteller. Uh, and, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, I lost one of the teachers that changed my life. And I'm a bit I'm sorry. Uh, there's two professions that I'm in, in, in a love affair with teachers and nurses. Mm. My mom's a nurse and I spent a lot of time and I know a lot of amazing educators, but I'm in love with them for the same reason. Oftentimes they're the first responders to many of society's biggest problems. But I recently, I lost one of my favorite teachers, my debate coach that I met my freshman year of high school, uh, who taught me the fundamentals of an argument. Um, And I spent four years debating in high school and two years debating in college. And he always said, it's never, it's not personal. It's about winning the argument. It's about winning the debate. And it's also about being a keen listener to what the person across from you is saying, figuring out where you connect with them and where you can agree and figuring out how you can take their argument apart. Uh, So I don't take anything that I do on air personally. My job is to get up there, um, present my objective (laughs) fact-based position on something. Okay. Uh, Fact-based. I think it's, (laughs) and then after that, it's, it's, it's on the audience to determine how they, how they see it, how they view it, how they consider it. Um, But I think it's really important also too, when you're having these conversations is to meet the audience where they're, where they are, right? It's one thing for me to be talking at 50,000 feet when everybody's at 5,000 feet. What I try to do in my commentary is take myself to 5,000 feet and then we can go on a journey together to get to 50,000 feet. I love that. Now, the other contributors that you are having these debates with, do you all go out to lunch together? Are you guys still friends after these debates? <laughs> yes, we, are all, we are all colleagues here. Uh, and I think that's a part of that, that's part of one of the misconceptions, right? When you think about January 6th and you think about the sort of polarization of our politics, um, and I think I've said this on air a couple of times. The mistake that people make is they make that they think that while we while cable news contributes to it, that inside the cable news family like we're not all friends and we all don't get along with each other (laughs) and i think that's that's the farthest from the truth even within networks we're friends i have friends who work at all the other networks we hang out on the weekends but one would art one would assume that because i work one place and somebody works someplace else that we throw rocks rocks on the street and it's actually the opposite of that and i think you know so it's really important for the viewers to understand that and the listeners to understand that so they don't assume that what we do on air is actually what's happening in real life. Just like nobody assumes what's happening on the housewives. Facts. What's happening in real life. <laughs> right? right. Like you can't assume that is real life. And I think oftentimes people take it as real life and they turn, they turn it into, I mean, January 6th and all the other instances yeah. that you see. You're not wrong. I'm glad to know that you are able to still have a respectful relationship with your counterparts because we do see you guys going in on each other live on air. Talk to us about, what it means to be in your position. When we think of Fox News, a lot of times we think and hear that they're far right, that they're spewing hate, that they're not for the people. But then we see people like you, Richard Fowler, who was on air. You're a middle ground individual. You're fighting for rights of many different people. And you're also not taking not fact-based thoughts and letting that go without challenging them. Look, man, 
I just try to do my job. Um, <laughs> and I think beyond that, I'm blessed to be where I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. I'm blessed to be on air. I think when you think about representation and, and during White House Correspondents Weekend, which happened uh, at, the end, happens at the end of April, I hosted a dinner with, um, for all my fellow African-American contributors from all the respective networks. And I think the blessing is we were all able to sit at a table. Um, the sad part was we could all fit around a table. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it just says to me that no matter where you are, no matter what network you are, no matter what place in life that God puts you, your job is to accept the calling uh, and to pursue that calling with vigor uh, and to, you know, forget what the naysayers say and really just push forward on what the job is. And so that's what I try to do here. Uh, and I have I know coll- I have colleagues that are doing it at other networks as well. Hey, I love to hear it. Can you explain to us how you actually got your job at Fox News? <laughs> uh, listen, I, I think, you know, people always ask that question. And I don't think there's a there's no application that says, like, you know, apply within. Right. I think it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of auditioning. It's a lot of doing segments over and over again on different networks until you find a place and a place that works for you and a place that fits. Uh, and then once you find a fit, uh, you know, you're in. And once you're in the game, then you're in the game. And then it's about getting your sea legs. I've been blessed that I've been on, on air as a contributor for about seven years now, but I've been yes. on air for about a decade total. Okay. Um, but it, 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 it doesn't seem, it seems longer than it actually is. It seems a lot shorter than it's actually been. When I look up, I'm like, man, it's been eight years. Right. But it's just like, but I, I want to remind the folks at, at home, it's just like any other job. Like I go to work, like I'm at work now, right? I go to work, <laughs> I do my job, I go home. Uh, and I'm oftentimes, while we are, whether no matter what network you're on, you're being pumped out to millions of homes. For us, most of the time, you're in a studio with like four, three or four people mm-hmm. and you're staring at a box. And so you don't really sometimes I never try to lose the impact of that. But there's oftentimes you're just in the moment with you, the anchor and the other guests or you and the anchor. And you forget that there's an audience out there that's watching you. And I think that's what actually makes for good TV when you and the anchor are connected in a conversation and the audience can be invited into that conversation as well. That's true. I mean, I, I have that. Same exact experience in my own current life, especially having a live morning radio show on a huge platform as an African-American male. A lot of times I look at you and they're like, how did you get that role? Are you sure that you're going to be in that role for a while? And, you know, you have to keep fighting for yourself, keep fighting for those who are coming behind you, who are already before you and showing that, you know, you deserve to be in that spot. Talk to me about. The many different types of lives you live, you know, you're an African-American male, you're part of the LGBTQ community. Do you ever feel as though that you have to choose which one you are first, especially when you're on on air? I think people want me to make a choice, but I don't, I think that, I think my lived experience speaks for itself. I'm also Jamaican, so I have mad jobs, Okay, okay. Um, (laughs) So, um, and I, and I think, and listen, I don't think that's like, I think that stereotype is a positive because we're really hard, we're really hardworking people. Um, both my parents immigrated to this country when they were in their early 20s. And what I learned from both of them was this strong, overarching work ethic. You work really hard, you play by the rules. And if you work really hard and you play by the rules, then you too can be afforded the American dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, I try to live that. And even though as a black person, as a black man, it's very, it's not easy um, for all the reasons. As I'm sure you talk about on your show every yeah. day. But the goal of it is, is to, to make sure that those, to live in that intersection and to be an advocate, that intersection and to urge others, right, to be an advocate at the intersection. When people, when I get pulled, if I get pulled over by the cops, they don't say, oh, look, there's a gay person. They say, oh, look, there's a black person. <laughs> right. So that lived experience matters. But my LGBTQ experience also matters. And those things merge together 
right, mm-hmm. is where I t- where I advocate. And in that advocacy, hopefully, we can create some real change. Right. Richard, you are an individual who truly does fight for diversity, inclusion, and equity. And we're seeing in many major states that they're trying to get rid of DEI in schools and in workplaces. Recently, actually, um, Governor Greg Abbott is just signed into law getting rid of diversity, inclusion, equity, and inclusion in public colleges and universities, and they have to take them out or they won't be able to use the public funding they have for the schools. What's your thoughts on that? Do you believe that we need DEI in our schools and universities? Well, look, I think this language, these words have become, these words have become these buzzwords for meanings that are deeper than that in this particular, in these, these particular legislations, right? When they say critical race theory, they say DE&I, what they actually mean in many cases, when they say woke, and I'm using air quotes, they mean <laughs> lived experiences, and mm-hmm. they mean history, and they mean taking away books that are critical to American literature, like James Baldwin and Langston yep. Hughes uh, and others, and Audre Lorde, right? Books that any American expert in literature, like these books are critical to understanding how, why, and how we are American, as well as the parts of our history that we don't like, Right. Talking about those parts of our history and being illustrated about what happened there is really critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as you see the bills moving to ban DE&I, I always tell people the same stroke of the pen that's banning books, uh, banning the teaching of African-American history is also the same stroke of the pen that saying a teacher can't have a picture up of their partner in their classroom. Mm-hmm. It's the same stroke of the pen that's saying you can't say gay. It's the same stroke of the pen that's harming folks in the transgendered community. So when we think about this fight, this fight is actually a universal one. And this fight is not, to me, this fight is not about partisanship. This fight actually goes back to a buzzword that you hear this group that's signing these laws often use, liberty, mm-hmm. right? Do I have the liberty to see my history reflected in a, liber- in a, in a history book? Mm-hmm. Do I have the liberty to go to my school library and check out a book that affirms my existence? Right. Do I have the liberty to go to a college that allows me and allows fellow students to understand the impact that black people have had on this country. Right. Do I have the liberty to go to a place that says for 400 years it was enslavement and that enslavement played a huge role in why America has one of the world's largest economies today? And, and I think when we and so we have to be very cognizant about what they're doing and what's happening and the, and the impact that it has not only on black folks and LGBTQ Americans, the impact that it has on Americans, big A overall, mm-hmm. because if you delete parts of our history, and you speed bump over people's existences, it's very easy to harm them in the future. And beyond that, it's very easy for people to forget what happened in the past, which means you're very likely to repeat it in the future. Right. So, Richard, I know we're getting closer to the end of our interview because you do have to get on air in Fox News. I have a few more questions I want to tackle with you. Sure. You talk about how, and I, and I love this, you talk about lived experiences and what it what it means to be in different communities and having an intersectionality, inter- intersectionality in your life. Talk to us about how you're able to remove politics from conversations and just talk as a human who actually feels things and lives things. Listen, I, I think oftentimes... And a good friend said this to me, and I think he's so right. Words were created to describe feelings. And oftentimes we don't lead with feelings. And instead we choose to lead with words because words are often easier. Mm. So when I think about my lived experience and my inviting in story and my parents and my grandparents' immigrant experience of this country and immigrant experience, my grandmother lived in London. So her immigrant experience as part of the Windrush generation in London, which said they're celebrating their 70th anniversary today. Um, I, I try to remember all of those things. And I try to also remember that the audience that I'm encountering, whether I know them or not, 
they deserve grace because they too are having a human experience, Mm -hmm. right? So if I'm talking to individuals who don't understand the black lived experience, I have, I should afford them some grace and give them some, say, here, let me tell you about my lived experience, Mm -hmm. right? And the same goes for folks who are in my community who don't, might not understand the LGBTQIA experience. Can I afford you some grace so we can go along on this journey together? Uh, And I think oftentimes, especially in this sort of 24-7 media culture and this social media TikTok world, we don't, we want stuff to happen really immediately and really fast. uh, And we don't extend grace. And we also don't look back at history and realize that for us to get to the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act in 1965, it took decades of work, Mm -hmm. right, for us to get to the first pride, which was a stone, which was a riot yep. or a pro- uprising in New York. It took decades of work and decades of people saying, we're going to organize, we're going to organize, we're going to organize. Even in the black LGBTQ space, the first black pride was celebrated in 1991. I wrote a story about this. I just actually reposted it on my, on my IG. Um, so folks can check it out. I talked to one of the founders of the first black pride in 19, 1991 wow. where 800 people attended across the street from Howard university. And when you talk to um, Ernest Hopkins is his name. He said 800 people came and the ideal of the first pride was to raise money to help folks who were HIV AIDS positive pay for their medication because so many of us were dying. And to know now that we are celebrating 30 years of black pride this year, last year in DC, they haven't had the essence this year during Memorial day, black pride had over 50,000 attendees to go from 800 to 50,000, right? Mm -hmm. Speaks to the fact that it takes work, right? And it doesn't happen instantly. Mm -hmm. And we're still fighting. There's still a fight on our hands for recognition, for us dealing with our, battling our own trauma, for us making economic equity, all these other things are still fight. But it's, remember, you have to sometimes look backwards to go forwards. Why do they meet the first time in 1991? where we are in in 2023. I love that thought process because you're speaking facts and you're actually teaching a lot of people who are listening in today about what it means to have representation and why it is important to fight for the rights of just being a human. I know you have to go, but I want you to take some time real quick to just give a little bit of advice and or just a a good positive thought to those young African-American LGBTQ individuals who are out there trying to fight for representation and trying to just see themselves as human. Can Can you talk to them really quick before you head out? Sure. Uh, Listen, if I were talking to my younger self or folks listening, my advice would be give yourself some grace, (laughs) right? I think we oftentimes don't give ourselves enough grace. And I also think that God has given you an innate ability. I call it the art of finesse, right? You've learned this art of finesse. People call it the art of BS, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) But I call it the art of finesse. Use that art of finesse and use all the things, the gifts that God has given you and just take, take, be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. And also, acknowledge yourself and acknowledge the good things that you've done. Cause sometimes we spend so much time focused on the race ahead of us that we forget how far we've come from, like how many steps we've made. It's a hundred yards, a hundred meter dash. It's a hundred, it's a hundred meter race. And we are at 90 meters. So we've completed and there's nine, there's 80 meters behind us. that We've already done. So think about that and be like, wow, I've done that part. Now I just got to get 10 meters done. And that would be the hardest 10. But if I remember the first 90, makes life a little easier. I love that. Thank you so much, Richard Fowler, for joining the Jamie D Show live on KSHP AM 1400 and 107.1 FM. I'm give you the, the bell ring because you deserve that. You just did so <laughs> much you. for my for me and for the audience today. Really appreciate you. Before you head out, let everyone know how they can find you and support you. For sure. If you want to check out, as I said, I'm a storyteller. I'm a features writer at Forbes. I'm one of the contributors there. I'm also on air. If you want to check out any of my work, check me out on Instagram and on Twitter. It's the same, at Richard A. Fowler. 
at Richard A. Fowler. Become part of our community. Uh, it's pretty fun. Yes, I just followed thank you. you. Jamie. Hey, thank you so much. Hopefully, I can have you back on the show sometime soon. Anytime. You have a, yes, you, you have a great that. segment today. I know you're going to do amazing. We're supporting you. Have a good time. I know you got to run. So, thank you so much. Hey, that was Richard Fowler who just joined the Jamie okay. D Show live on KSHP AM 1400 and 107.1 FM, literally dropping gems about what it means to be. Uh, representate what it means to have representation in the media, what it means to work in spaces that may not be for you, but you're making a way for yourself and more. I know we have to switch up this, the show today, but hey, we still have so many amazing things to go over today. I'm still going to go and in, get into the news headlines of the day, and we're going to talk about this situation that's actually happening in Texas, where Greg, Governor Greg Abbott is actually well, he already has removed diversity, equity, equity, and inclusion from public colleges and universities. Stick around. We have so much more to still get into. You're now tuned into the Jamie D Show. We'll be right back. I'll see you in a second. where we've been serving farm food and crafted cocktails for over two decades. Visit us for the full Hash House experience at any of our five Las Vegas locations. Hash House at GoGo is where old school meets new and gets twisted. We bring people together over good food and fun. Come in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and come hungry because our portions are huge. Visit us online to see our entire menu at hashhouseatgogo.com. Hash House at GoGo. It's a Midwest thing, and there's nothing else like it. Zen World Premium CBD offers full and broad-spectrum CBD oil, extracts, and capsules which are designed to help you feel your best. Their products are sourced from the best organic hemp and natural ingredients on the market and are tested for quality, purity, and potency. They have a full range of items from health and wellness to beauty to pets. Call 725-205-9223. Visit online at zinworld.com or stop by their location at 9895 South Maryland Parkway and Silverado Ranch Parkway. Mention KSHP for 10% off in-store or use code KSHP online for 15% off. Is your dog suffering from a sensitive stomach? Hi, it's Kelly the Cookie Lady from Mooch's Munchies. Our dogs had super sensitive tummies, and I needed to find a low-fat treat that wouldn't give them gas or other issues. Most of the treats on the market were loaded with fillers, chemicals, and chicken fat. Many of them weren't even food. Well, I knew I could do better, so I developed Mooch's Munchies, and I'm happy to be able to share them with you. Stop by our store or our website, moochesmunchies.com, and find out why we say that Mooch's Munchies are totally possum. Hungry for the best barbecue in Las Vegas? Come out to the infamous barbecue and meat market, John Moles Meats and Roadkill Grill in Las Vegas. John Moles was featured on the Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Now take home delicious meat selections for your grill, and while you're there, grab a bite of the best barbecue in Las Vegas. With two locations now at Tom and Gowan or on North Decatur, you're sure to find the perfect meats for your next barbecue or party. Find us online at johnmolemeats.com. At AR Heating and Air Conditioning, our main goal is to provide high-quality service without breaking the bank. From maintaining your HVAC units to fixing them when they are down, they are there for you. AR Heating and Air Conditioning offer reasonable prices, reliability, and professional service at a great value. For more information, go to fixmyac.net or call 702-646-4000. Beat the heat and call AR Heating and Air Conditioning today. 
Welcome to Hash House A Go Go, where we've been serving farm food and crafted cocktails for over two decades. Visit us for the full Hash House experience at any of our five Las Vegas locations. Hash House A Go Go is where old school meets new and gets twisted. We bring people together over good food and fun. Come in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and come hungry because our portions are huge. Visit us online to see our entire menu at hashhouseagogo.com. Hash House A Go Go. It's a Midwest thing, and there's nothing else like it. Zen World Premium. CBD offers full and broad spectrum CBD oil, extracts, and capsules, which are designed to help you feel your best. Their products are sourced from the best organic hemp and natural ingredients on the market and are tested for quality, purity, and potency. They have a full range of items from health and wellness to beauty to pets. Call 725-205-9223. Visit online at zinworld.com or stop by their location at 9895 South Maryland Parkway and Silverado Ranch Parkway. Mention KSHP for 10% off in-store or use code KSHP online for 15% off. Is your dog suffering from a sensitive stomach? Hi, it's Kelly the Cookie Lady from Mooch's Munchies. Our dogs had super sensitive tummies, and I needed to find a low-fat treat that wouldn't give them gas or other issues. Most of the treats on the market were loaded with fillers, chemicals, and chicken fat. Many of them weren't even food. Well, I knew I could do better, so I developed Mooch's Munchies, and I'm happy to be able to share them with you. Stop by our store or our website, moochesmunchies.com, and find out why we say that Mooch's Munchies are totally possum. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Jamie D Show. Woo! Live on KSHP AM 1400 and 107.1 FM. And live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook at The Jamie D Show. We just had Richard Fowler, who is a progressive contributor at Fox News, who just joined us live to discuss what it means to be a black gay man on Fox News, why representation and advocating for change in the media is important, and how he maintains his political relationships in the first half of the show. If you did not catch that, I will be posting this on YouTube like I do every day. So, hey, don't fret if you're not catching this live on the air or live on the YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or Facebook stream. I always post the vo- lives on YouTube. So, hey, you can always go back and check out the show. All right. So, like I said, we have to switch around some things. But now, let's get into the daily news headlines because there's so much going on i mean so much i mean literally even just within the, within the break we had uh, too much so oh, i love that that was a good sound effect go ahead I was, what was that it was good all right let's get straight into it so uh, candace owens i'm so tired of you friend i just call you a friend i'm so tired of you girl <laughs> so tired of you why are you always saying stuff? Leave people alone. Please shut up. Some people don't need to be contributors, writers, advocate, whatever. <sighs> please, please. So this girl responds back to claims that she hates being a black woman, which a lot of people agree. And she said black people are soft. And <laughs> can't stand her. She says, I'm not kidding when I say that over 90% of my podcast content criticizes white people in politics and culture. But because black people are soft, emotional have had their brains rooted by blm so black lives matter in the rare circumstances that i cover a black topic they cry like b words oh my god candace Ugh. 
First of all, I really hate how people believe that because of Black Lives Matter, that is why we're now fighting against racism, systematic oppression, and not having diversity, equity, and inclusion in many spaces. Candace, BLM did not start the movement. BLM made the movement more popular and more seen in the media due to COVID. I hope you know that. BLM did not make actual Black Lives Matter matter. (laughs) They've always mattered. And we've always been fighting for the rights of African-American people. BLM did not create a new mindset in individuals' heads where, oh, now I want to fight. No, we've always felt this way. And I really hate when people say, oh, gay people are soft. Oh, black people are soft. Or any other minority group is soft. I really want people to realize that the only reason we're seen as soft is for the fact that we have to fight so much. When I say so much, we have to fight so much and we're always going against the grain. We're always fighting against not having the rights and the fair treatment of individuals like our counterparts when they get to just be themselves every day, no matter what. Please, if you're truly going to be about the black community, talk about it. Now, let me tell you this, though. One thing I will agree with Candace Owens on is that people do like to just listen to listen to little snippets of the show or things that are seen in media and they like to then generate their thought processes and their opinions around that little snippet. So I do challenge individuals who are wanting to actually get involved in conversations and and respond back to certain clips that they see in the media to do some research. Watch the whole show or watch that specific segment. See what the individual actually said or what they meant. Or if they went back and retracted their statement because they were wrong or because they learned something. A lot of times Candace Owens Owens isn't learning anything or apologizing. So uh, it is what it is. But there are other media outlets that do retract statements that do say that they reported incorrectly. Or, hey, I didn't mean to say, or individuals may say, I didn't mean to say it that way. So, yes, take some, take some time to actually watch the entire clip, not the five to ten second video you saw on social media because you you know that you know these media outlets are messy on purpose and they clip specific video clips on purpose to get a certain sound bite so that it makes it seem messy and makes it seem like an individual said something when they really didn't say that as a whole so please 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 do your research and as well candace owens if you're gonna be about the people be about the people i'm, I'm so tired of hearing you be so divisive because you are divisive And I get it. Your feelings are hurt, too, when you feel as though that your people are coming against you. But you started. (laughs) All right. So I know you guys have been staying tuned. I mean, you guys have been locked in your seats about this whole submarine theme. And I'm calling it a thing, not news, a thing, because it's a thing. We all know that these individuals signed their lives away. We all know that they got in the small behind submissible that is the size of a minivan to go see the Titanic wreckage. We all know they purposely put themselves in danger. We all know that they're billionaires. We all know that they had a little bit of air left, and now they're unfortunately out of air, and we still haven't found them. We all know that even if we did find them, that... It still would have taken several hours to wrap the submissible, pull it up, open the submissible, and more. So, yes, there's a lot of people fighting against the clock. Yes, there's people's lives that are in danger. And yes, it's a very sad situation. And I want to say that even though we're making fun of it on social media as, and I say we're, not just me. No, not me because I'm really not making fun of it. But as individuals are seen as a whole on social media, they're making light of situations. And and it sucks that 
Oh, yeah, like Naturally Radiant said on YouTube. Yeah, and they went down there with their PlayStation controller. And then we found out they had no windows. So how the heck were they going to see the Titanic wreckage for real? For You know what? It's a lot going on. But there are lots of people who are making fun of this, making light of the situation. Because <sighs> I got to tell you the truth. They put themselves in that position. It's not like we had Marines or individuals who actually are going to do research and, and have were were approved to go do the, to go on this mission and were put in a safe submarine that actually was certified and they had backing by the government. No, none of that happened. None of that happened. It's just individuals, billionaires who were bored one day and want to go see the Titanic wreckage. And so people are kind of like, you, 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 that was some very Caucasian stuff. I was going to say in the caucasity of, of it all. <laughs> and it was. So a lot of people look at it like, you dummy. Yeah, big dummy. And, I understand why people did that because people just like to make a lot of situations that seem extreme. But unfortunately, it is an extreme situation. It is very sad. And it's a very unfortunate situation. And my heart and prayers go out to those who are affected by the situation and the individuals who are actually in the submissible. And we just found out now that there's a debris field found near the Titanic. And that's not a good sign. They already ran out of air. Now we're finding new debris near the Titanic. That's horrible. And these people possibly may be gone. They may have exploded. They may have been eaten. They may be floating somewhere else that we don't know passed away. And that's so sad. And I don't want to make light of that. And I don't want to laugh at it. And a commenter on Instagram made a really good point yesterday. And they're like, all right, so this is all funny now. Which I'm not going to lie. It was. It was funny. All the memes, like, how would you respond if you were saved and you came out of the submissible? And people were, like, posting Chloe and dancing and people and all these different memes. And it was funny. But the commenter said, so what happens tomorrow when we can't find them? And I was like, dang, that's true. So we shouldn't be laughing at them, even though they made the decision to do this. It's sad. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that there is a miracle. I'm hoping they had... They had some type of way to get out or they're somewhere. I don't know. But again, we're, we're we're now hearing that there's debris field found near the Titanic and it's not looking good for these individuals. But I do want to talk about the stepson that everyone's talking about of a billionaire, the lost at sea, who went out to a Blink-182 concert. <sighs> oh, my gosh. OK, so my issue with this is that. Does it look right? No. But can we tell an individual how to grieve? No. Can we tell an individual how to respond to certain things? No. Do we all respond differently to things? Yes. I know several people who have lost family members, close family members, and they're like, oh, this happened during the day. I was supposed to be somewhere or do something, and I can't stay in the house. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone in my own thoughts. I want to go out and distract myself. Do we know if this is what this individual did? No. But so far, we're just looking at this stepson and we're saying, oh, he was on social media posting and that just looks bad. Well, you can't tell somebody what to do. You can't. You can't tell somebody how to grieve. And let's be honest. This ain't his son. This is his stepson. We don't know these people's relationships. We don't. For all we know, this man probably don't even like this man. And I'm going to just put it out there. You know many people I know who passed away in my space? And I'm kind of like, wow, I'm sorry. Rest in peace. And I continue on with my day because it didn't affect me. I knew the individual. Were we close? No. Did we ever talk? Nah. And, I'm, and people are like, oh, that's so rude. Ah, 
rest in peace. Seriously. But I, I mean, why, why are you telling me that I need to be affected a certain way? Because I just knew the person. I wasn't connected to the individual. I just wasn't. And like I said, this is a sad situation. Maybe these individuals, if this is the case, rest in peace. But you can't tell this man what to do. And he's a grown man. Yeah, he was at a Blink-182 concert. Yeah, he was talking to an OnlyFans star. Man, it is what it is. People got so much going on in their lives. And you never know. If this person talked to their stepdad and said, don't do it. And they did it. I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Because this isn't his son. We don't know the personal relationship. We don't know how this individual grieves. And let's be honest. We really don't care. We just want to find a way to, to just shame somebody. Now, people are like, well, doesn't it look bad? Okay, yes, it looks bad. But who am I? Who am I? All I can say is, well, I probably wouldn't do that. Leave it at that. I can't tell this person what to do or how to grieve. That's not fair. It's not. And it's not fair to the family members who are grieving to just be digging in on this family so hard. I mean, like you said, it's it. it uh, we, we say this a lot in the media. That's some Caucasian be <laughs> shiznit. And you wouldn't see minority groups doing these things, but you never know what people do at the end of the day. And it, it's, it's just a very sad situation. All right. So a female black graduate. This is a whoo. This, this is the topic. All right. She snatched the mic from a faculty member at a graduation and what was a dramatic battle. I mean, if you have not seen this video on social media, it was dramatic. The student says, unlike her Caucasian counterparts, she wasn't given the chance to announce her full name. She says people before her got to say their name, major, and extra stuff. The Caucasian faculty member who was holding the mic, however, was not allowing black graduates to have the same respect and time as their ca ca Caucasian counterparts. So when it came to this African-American female student, Hey, she wasn't having it. She literally snatched the mic from this faculty member. I'm telling you, it was extreme. And once she got the mic, she stated, you know what? You snatched the mic from me. She told the audience this. You didn't let me have my moment. And so I'm going to tell everybody what my full name is, which she did. Let people know I'm graduating, which she did. And then proceeds to throw, I mean, slam the mic on the ground. I mean, talk about a mic drop. And this was reported by the Shade Room in Woo! It has social media in a tizzy because this, 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 this is a very touchy situation. And I'm gonna be honest, as she should, <laughs> as she should. Do I promote violence? No, I don't promote violence. I, I really do not promote violence. But we have to stop letting people play with us. Stop playing with us. Let us have our moment. Let us be treated fairly and equally, like equally, like everybody else. This individual, I'm not sure what her nationality is because she didn't explain it. I'm not sure if she's of Af uh, she's from Africa or her name's from Africa or from the Caribbean islands, but she did have a very specific and foreign sounding long name. So it makes sense why she needed a little bit of extra time to say her name. Her name isn't Frank. It isn't Sally. It isn't Taylor. Let the let let these people have their time. And 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 to this Caucasian faculty member, shame on you. Shame on you for doing this to this individual. Do you know, as an individual who has a master's and who had to miss their graduation, their second one, during COVID, 
Do you know how hard we have to fight as individuals in minority spaces for these degrees? Let me say this because I don't want people to drag me. Yes, everybody else, everybody, Caucasian people, yes, they all have to fight for their masters. I mean, their degrees. Yes, it's not easy for anybody. But we know for a fact there's a specific battle for minority groups who are in colleges, especially PWIs, where they're not made or tailored for them when they're getting their education and having and trying to have the same exact experiences as their Caucasian counterparts. I do not want to be a dive. I do not want to be a individual who is divisive against communities. I don't. I want to be a radio personality that brings communities together. But to bring communities together, we have to state the facts and we have to live in truth and reality. And we have to let people know what everyone's going through. I will hold black people accountable when they do bad stuff. I will hold minorities accountable when they do bad stuff. But I will also hold our Caucasian counterparts you know, accountable for doing bad stuff as well. We all deserve whether we're white, black, Hispanic, gay, straight, lesbian, trans, whatever, to be treated fairly and equally. Nothing's wrong with the color of your skin. Nothing's wrong with what you like in bed. Like, who cares? And so I'm on this African student's side because, yeah, she deserves to have her moment. And, yeah, if you're looking at it, it looks so awkward and so weird. And if you have been in that space, would you have kind of cringe? It is cringy. So, yeah. But then we take a step back. You're like, no, that's what we need. We need people who are going to say you're not going to treat us differently. And, I mean, she acted out of anger in that moment. I don't know what else she could have done that didn't look like a violent action. But, I, I, listen, I'm with the girl. All right, so get into this. This news is <laughs> if you're not tuned into the Jamie D Show live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook at The Jamie D Show, T-H-E-J-A-I-M-E-D-E-E-S-H-O-W, you, you didn't just see my face because, y'all, this news is wild, wild. And real quick, I want to acknowledge my individuals who are commenting live on social media. You're always welcome to call in at 702-221-7283. Again, you're always welcome to call in at 702-221-7283. But I understand people are in the office, so they aren't able to talk. And I wanted to shout out Naturally Radiant, who's saying, yeah, it's insane, but it's above my pay grade and above my tax bracket. And, you know, Miss Dupar says, as she should. And now we have Gina Chandler, who says, I don't blame her. She put the work in and should be acknowledged like everyone else. The disrespect, good for her. I agree. But let's get into this mess. This news is... <sighs> so an ex-employee at AOK Walker Auto Works in Peachtree City, Georgia, by the name of Andreas Flatten, quit after an argument with the owner, Miles Walker. Once he quit, Flatten never received his last paycheck. Oh! Oh! They withhold money, y'all. And the owner refused to pay him. So Flatten called the Labor Department to get it settled. Now look, Walker, the owner... Received a call from the department, but he told them he ain't playing flatten, the ex-employee. What? This man told the government he ain't paying? Woo! Now, hours later, I guess the, the owner decided to change his mind, and guess what this man did? The owner decided to pay the ex-employee his $915 that was owed to him in his last paycheck and 91,500 oily pennies. Did you hear me? He paid the ex-employee in 91,500 oily pennies. They're saying this man doused the pennies in motor oil. <laughs> oh, talk about petty and despicable. Not only did he do this, but he dropped these pennies off in this man's driveway. <laughs> it gets worse. This man also put a note on these pennies saying, F you. 
again, I do not promote violence, but you would have to catch me outside. Forget this last paycheck. Catch me outside. Because what? What? (laughs) Now, this all happened in 2022, but why it's news today is because of a lawsuit brought up against the owner by the U.S. Department of Labor. And y'all, they're getting their justice. The owner is now ordered to pay nearly $40,000 in additional back wages and damages to his employees. Yes! <laughs> I ring the bell because we love when justice rings true and it rings loud because, hey, that man, you are so despicable for that. And this is all reported by CNN. That's what his dirty behind gets. Serves him right for being malicious and evil. Y'all. How would y'all respond? And Mercy says, unprofessional. I hope he sues. Well, he did. And he won. So, woo! How would y'all respond? Because I, I I would be enraged. How dare you? And I ain't going to lie. Well, Loki still keep the pennies in the pocket. <laughs> so, in Las Vegas news, the burning apartment building that started on Tuesday and lasted all the way until Wednesday is finally put out. Y'all, it took a day to put it out. And they're saying it's going to still be smoking for days to come. Now, what's ridiculous about this is that this structure cost $200 million and they just lost it all. But the best part is they were able to save a planned clubhouse, which is valued at $10 million. And why I say it's ridiculous because dang, you know how much work these individuals put in to build these structures and how much money they just lost out on. It's ridiculous that they had to lose on that money because that's a lot. Imagine if you had 200 million just down the drain. If I lose a dollar, I'm upset. <laughs> and the crazy part is, is that this fire was affecting the community around it. Thank God nobody was harmed. We only are told that one firefighter had an issue and had to go to the hospital because of smoke inhalation, but they were released. So thank God he's okay. But this just really affected the community. They're saying this has, this has not happened in loss. This is, this hasn't happened in Las Vegas history in years. And so they were saying this wasn't a fire they can put out. They had to let it actually die itself in a controlled manner. They didn't have enough resources to, to actually douse this fire. And even, even though they, when they did have the water, it was affecting the community around them. And they were trying to save other parts of the structure. So that they had to do what they had to do. And they had to just block it in and let it, let it die down, which it did. But now, you know, the area is smoky and they have to just work with that. I mean, hey, for those individuals affected by losing money and and this, and having to redo this project, I'm sorry. That sucks because we still don't even know what the cause of this fire was. And it's Thursday. And today they're going to actually demolish the building that was affected. So uh, I'm sorry, guys. That sucks. I, I know that sometimes we are doing things and there are setbacks. But you know what? It's going to set you up for a comeback. I'm sure it's going to all work out for those who are part of this project. Again, I'm sorry that that happened to you all. But I know it's going to work out. And happy Las Vegas news, though. Last week in Clark County, a new hybrid supermarket concept opened in East Las Vegas Valley. This supermarket, which is called the Aftermarket, includes a retail grocery store and a food pantry. Now, that's cool. A grocery market that grocery store that also includes a food pantry. It's located at 4437 North Las Vegas Boulevard off of Craig Road near Neelis Air Force Base. That's cool. That's cool. I think that's awesome to give back to the community. It's awesome to have a resource for those who aren't able to actually get groceries or who aren't who don't have the resources to get groceries to be able to find a way to do that. And that's that's great. 
This, this aftermarket is founded and operated by the Foundation Christian Center, according to Clark County. The supermarket will operate as a regular grocery store and a food pantry. This allows people with limited income to get what they need at little or no cost, said Commissioner Kirkpatrick. This is reported by Fox 5 News. There hasn't been a grocery store in that area since a nearby Walmart closed in 2016. Now, if you're not local to Las Vegas, you don't know that the east side is where a lot of our black individuals live. They consider that the hood of Vegas. And a lot of people say stay away from the east side. So it's great to know that there are resources for individuals who may be struggling, who are trying to find a way out, who are trying to do better for themselves to get food. Everybody deserves to have the opportunity to eat. Everybody deserves the opportunity to have to be able to provide food on their table and to just get those resources to nourish their bodies. And again, this is a food pantry that is going to allow donations and they're going to also be doing things behind the scenes to make sure that they keep the food pantry stocked. That's great. Bravo to them. I want to ring the bell for them. Hey, I know we had a pretty different show today because we wanted to make sure we get Richard Fowler on the show. And I'm so grateful to have had him just represent so many different cultures live on air today. He's actually on Fox News right now in D.C. And he's a progressive contributor. I go support him as he does his thing. You know, he's fighting for the rights of everybody, not just blacks, not just gays, but everybody. He is a great middle ground individual that is not spewing far leftism, far rightism or anything. He's just trying to be about the people and having a good middle ground balance. Hey, I'm so happy that you guys were able to tune in today. Our numbers on YouTube are going up. I'm so grateful that we're growing day after day. This is my third week live on air, my very own live morning radio show. I appreciate your support. It means the world to me. Hey, you just got, to, you just were tuned into the Jamie D show live on KSHP AM 1400 and 107.1 FM. We're live every Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. PST and live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook at the Jamie D show. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Don't miss out. Peace out. What's up, everybody? You were just tuned into the Jamie D Show, live on KSHP AM 1400 and 107.1 FM. If you aren't in the Las Vegas area, you can catch my show live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook at the Jamie D Show. That's T-H-E-J-A-I-M-E-D-E-E-S-H-O-W. If you want to advertise your business on my show, email us at info at jamied.com. Thank you all so much for your support. See you tomorrow. We'll